uh, current virus situation will abate. So there, there's still a lot of optimism when you talk to industry people. Ross, thanks very much. Sadly, we run out of time. That's Ross Feingold, Taiwan-based political risk consultant. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's have a look around the markets once more this morning. In Australia, the SX200 up 0.6%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 has uh, surged ahead 1.5% at the open. The Cosby in South Korea up about two-thirds of a percent. Futures markets indicating that the Hang Seng is going to add about 120 points at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil uh, is trading right now at uh, $59.12 a barrel. Uh, gold is at a seven-year high, $1,609 an ounce. And the uh, US dollar slipping a little bit now against the Japanese yen, uh, trading at 111.2. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please join me once again tomorrow morning uh, for... Uh, for Money Talk. Back chat's coming up after the 8.30 news with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton. The weather forecast for today is going to be mainly fine, cool in the morning and a maximum temperature of about 20 degrees during the day. It's going to be mainly fine in the next couple of days. Temperatures will rise gradually, but it will still be cool in the morning. Temperature right now is 16 degrees and it's 69% relative humidity. It's 8.31 with the half-hour news. Here's Samantha Butler. More than 100 Hong Kong passengers from the Diamond Princess cruise ship where there's been an outbreak of the new coronavirus are shortly due to arrive in Hong Kong on a chartered flight. The 102 passengers have tested negative for the virus but will be quarantined for 14 days. There's expected to be a second chartered flight later. More than 50 out of 350 Hong Kong residents on the ship have been infected and will stay in Japan for treatment. Japan has come under criticism for its handling of the situation with more than one in seven people people on the ship contracting the virus while it was quarantined at Yokohama. The mainland coronavirus death toll has jumped to over 2,100 with 108 more deaths in Hubei province. Most of the deaths were in the provincial capital, Wuhan. Hubei health officials also reported 615 new cases in Wuhan and 13 more elsewhere in the province, but it said it was reducing the number of previously reported cases by 279. Casinos in Macau, the world's biggest gambling hub, have reopened following an unprecedented 15-day shutdown to curb the spread of the deadly COVID-19 virus. Ilo Yu from the University of Macau says 12 casinos remain closed and the government has given them a 30-day reprieve from opening if they have concerns that not enough customers will turn up. Professor Yu says card dealers and casino staff are also concerned about the spread of the virus as gamblers are not required to wear masks and are only given a temperature checks on arrival. That's why some car dealers actually have raised out some concern about the precaution in the casino that they request the gambler get to have masks, but it is not compulsory. But at the same time, the casino would like to shut down many tables in the casino or actually they just open several tables, gaming tables in the gaming hall and then to keep distance of gambler away so to avoid the spread. But still, there is still complaint from the car dealers. Reports from Germany say at least eight people have been shot dead in the town of Hanau. The shootings took place at two shisha bars in the town. The gunman is believed to be still at large. The motive for the shooting is unclear. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chewett and your co-host today is Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. We're going to be focusing on quarantine today. The Cathay Pacific aircraft carrying more than 100 Hong Kong passengers from the Diamond Princess cruise ship in Japan is landing just about now. The passengers aboard all tested negative for the virus but will be quarantined here for 14 days. At least one of the charter flight will be used to bring the other Hong Kong passengers home. More than 50 out of 350 Hong Kongers on the ship have been infected with the virus and will stay on for treatment in Japan. What do you think about that? the way that that's been handled by Hong Kong and by Japanese authorities? What should happen to the returnees now? What about Hong Kongers in Hubei? What have we learned about how to get quarantine right? We're also going to be looking at a new quick testing machine developed by the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Let us know your thoughts, your questions, your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3, by email, backchat at rthk.hk, uh, or by phone, and our telephone number is 233-88266, 233-88266. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, joining us now, we have Dr. Kwok Karki, the Civic Party uh, lawmaker, um, who's also uh, involved in... Uh, uh, confrontations with the administration yesterday. We'll talk to that. We'll get on to that in just a moment. Uh, first of all, here's, here's a comment, an email comment from, uh, this is from Larry, uh, who says, the treatment of the Diamond Princess passengers by the Japanese authorities seems disturbing. According to many news stories recounting the experiences of some passengers from Hong Kong, Canada, etc. Not only were they trapped, the Japanese authorities seemed only interested in testing them for the coronavirus. Some Hong Kong passengers told reporters they were not given any medicine or medical care, even though they developed a fever or other symptoms. Is that what the Japanese minister considered to be humanitarian treatment? Eyewitnesses from Hong Kong also claimed that not all quar Japanese quarantine personnel and medical staff wore protective clothing on board the ship. This is not good enough. That comes uh, from Larry. Dr. Kwok, good morning to you. Good morning, thank you and Anna. For, good thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us now. Uh, OK, um, so it's good news that we have these people coming home now uh, from, uh, from Japan. Uh, first of all, what, what about the, um, the Hong Kong authorities? Are you satisfied with the, with the way the Hong Kong authorities have, have handled this? Now, um, I believe that um, they have tried their very best already. But of course, if they can act earlier, uh, trying to negotiate or talk with the Japanese government as to requesting uh, land uh, quarantine, or perhaps to take it back uh, from the Yokohama as soon as possible, that will be even better. But I, of course, this kind of negotiation between to government is very difficult to um, uh, to handle, particularly in Hong Kong. We, we don't have a sovereignty as such. Uh, we, perhaps we need to rely on the Chinese embassy to, you know, trying to talk with the Japanese government. But one thing that I was quite um, uh, disappointing is that uh, it seems that the health officials in the Hong Kong side uh, or the uh, specifically the Department of Health is unable to get in touch with the doctors uh, or hospital in Japan, so that a lot of the the patient who has been admitted to the hospital apparently didn't know what they are going to have, and they are quite disappointed of not like giving adequate treatment, and a lot of them because of the uh, difficulty in the communication, they may not know how to speak like uh, Japanese or English. So, um, you know, they, they are just kept in the hospital wards, uh, you know, without knowing what to do in the next moment. And that is something we could, could, could do better because in Hong Kong, 
uh, we traditionally we have quite close uh, associations with the doctors in uh, Japan. On the academic side, we had a lot of doctors visiting Japan. You know, um, not a large scale, but we we do have connections with the, those doctors in Japan. But apparently, they didn't use these uh, channels like to uh, you know take into the help from medical association uh, from Hong Kong and also with Japanese uh, medical association. That is something very very um, you know. Um, Back to the patients uh, in there, and secondly, it's about the quarantine. If they would be able to talk to the uh, authority in the Japan, because you know that. But, but do you think? Do you think realistically that you know that the Japanese health authorities would listen to advice from Hong Kong? I mean, no, not to advise, but you know, at least to reassure those in the hospital. Now, you put it this way. Yeah, but on the, quarant- on the quarantine arrangements. On, on the on- quarantine, yeah. It, it helps. You know, a lot of these patients, they, they are actually spread, quite spread in different hospitals. I was told okay. that they were being spread in eight uh, individual hospitals. So um, they, they need more advice from, you know, if, if a doctor uh, from the CHP would be able to talk to them, each of them, uh, telling them what to do in the next moment and how to, you know, cooperate with the health authority or the hospital in in Japan and they you know will we leave a lot of anxiety but, but Dr. Kwok this is a consular responsibility surely the Chinese consul in Japan would have jumped in and done this isn't that what consuls do yes I would expect that but uh, you know we can't always you know ask for the help of a consulate which is you know I don't know. Normally, we, we won't ask the consulate to do so. We, we, we do have some direct connections. We, we have a trade office in, uh, in Tokyo. We had a lot of staff in the Tokyo office. And apparently, they didn't do anything to help those uh, uh, passengers, you know, being stranded in, in, the, in the ship or even stranded in the, in the hospital. They didn't do anything, which is active enough, you know, to help those uh, passengers or the patients admitted to the hospital. That was the thing that I was quite disappointed. What, what, what about the Japanese uh, authorities? Um, uh, frankly, I mean, it seems like they've made a real terrible mistake here yes. in keeping people on yes. the ship in the yes. first place. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that thing, that, uh, another thing I, I, you know, I was quite, um, you know, disappointed to see, you know, uh, previously I thought, you know, the Japanese authority would have the ability to handle the cases very well, and they need, they know how to tackle with, you know, quarantine. But, you know, this is turned out to be a disaster. That they, uh, we, you know, they, they, they remain all the passengers and, and crews on the ship uh, without, you know, allowing them to go on the so-called land quarantine. And I think this is very disturbing, put it but, this way. You know, surely, the number is um, dynamic. Um, a, a ship is a petri dish for infection, right? But yes. can, you're a doctor. Can you please explain to me how it gets transmitted on the ship? Is it through the aircon or is it through contamination of food trays? Because there was a couple widely reported on the BBC for the last 14 days, uh, elderly couple, and they were in an inside cabin. And they'd been stuck in there, and they were just getting food and coffee um, put through the door, and then they were going out for their 90-minute walk on the deck, which was all they were allowed to do. 
Um, how, in your opinion, are, did they, they've now suddenly tested positive yesterday after being clear for 14 days, and they're being sent to a hostel. At least the Hong Kong people seem to be sent to a hospital. These poor folks have been told you're going to a hostel for eight days, and they've tested positive. So how is the transmission occurring? Now, so far the scientific evidence is still three uh, channels of infection. One is a direct contact, meaning that, you know, we... Uh, you know, direct handshake, or if you, you know, touch any other person, the, the body or the, or the shirt or the cloth. And second is, uh, is a um, droplet, which is the commonest way. Uh, the secretion of the body, uh, which somehow uh, being contaminated to other objects, like the buttons, the handles, the uh, door locks, uh, the walls, the wallpaper, whatever, the, you know, whatever places you have, your hands can touch and the other people's hand can touch, will be able to transmit. And the third would be aerosol. Aerosol is quite specific uh, kind of um, infection, which usually will not happen in uh, settings outside the hospital. It, it will be usually, you know, like the hospital, when you're doing the suctions of the uh, sputum, when you're doing, like, you give the patient some inhalations, high uh, percentage of oxygen or patient with the ventilator, then will be having a chance of aerosol. But other than that, most of the infection is still on the direct contact and the droplets, which I, you know, I, frankly speaking, I didn't know what will be the situation. But if you, you think about, you know, people being jammed in a ship, I was told that although they are not encouraged to, to go outside the rooms, but still they need to go, you know, uh, receive the food and people have their food tray for them. Okay. And yeah, yeah. On, on a related topic, with an email from uh, Umesh uh, who says there is news circulating that the Cathay Pacific aircraft could go back to commercial service after 48 hours. At the same time, some medical professionals are saying it's not enough time to disinfect the complete aircraft. Anybody else got anything more to say on this? Scary for future passengers and crew using these aircraft. What would you have to do with the aircraft, um, uh, Dr. Kwok? Oh, yeah, and also, what about the pilot? Does the pilot have to go into quarantine? Uh, now, um, the pilot, the situation of the pilot is just like, you know, like our ambulance man. Now, in Hong Kong, we had a lot of ambulance men carrying the, mm. the close contact, not, not the patient, put it this way, the close contact, or even patients, uh, to and, you know, from the homes to the hospital, and they are doing on a daily basis. We don't need the ambulance men to do any quarantine because, you know, they, if all those ambulance men was being quarantined, we will be, have no ambulance men available mm. to do the jobs because, you know, once you detect any uh, uh, close contact to the hospital, they quarantine for 48 days, you know, sooner or later, we don't have anyone to serve us. So the, the, the common consensus, which is also adopted by the CHP or even WHO, is that if you are given adequate protection, Meaning that you have, you know, um, masks, you have uh, gloves, you have all the protective clothing, and you don't have any direct contact with any passengers on the flight, then you will be safe. And that is a common consensus. And secondly, um, although we know that the virus can stay for, you know, days. How, how many days, Dr. Kwok? Because if this plane, you know, supposing usually, usually has it on a surface. Usually, the usual day that it can it can stay alive without any, you know, you know, uh, 
uh, is 48 hours. So, this is usual. So, but so have, leaving, the, have, leaving the plane, so sorry, so leaving the plane for 48 hours, cleaning it yeah. and for, should be safe? Yeah, and okay. clean it. Of course, you, you, don't, you don't just, you know, leave it alone. You need to clean it properly. And they have all the guidelines uh, given by the um, CHP, you know, using the detergents, uh, using, uh, you know, place to sterilize the, the environment. And it's proven to be workable. Let me, you know, take you one very real example. We had in our emergency department, each and every day, we take in a lot of patients with fever. You know, we, of course, sometimes we will put them in a, uh, a room with negative pressure, but we can't always do that. So, on the contrary, they may need to stay in a single room without negative pressure, or they need to stay in a cubicle without, you know, additional ventilation. This is, you know, something we need, you know, this is reality. But after any of those patients with fever, close contact, whatever, they will be sterilized, will be cleaned by the hospital staff probably before they was allowed to take another patient inside the cubicle. So we are doing that on a daily basis. So um, I think the practices they are adopting by the Cafe Pacific should be safe okay. enough. Okay, a couple, a couple of other issues. Um, first of all, um, what about the quarantine arrangements for when the, for these people who arrive now? Where, where are they going uh, and what sort of security will there be? Are you satisfied with those arrangements? Now, they are actually being, being put in the in a housing essay in Fortan, uh, in Fatin. Mm. And they were, you know, it is compulsory quarantine, which I agree very much, because um, even before they were allowed to get off the, the ship, they have a still finding new uh, patients uh, on the 17th, if not 18th, on uh, or this month. So it's uh, two or three days ago. So that means the infection is still quite active and still around on the ship. We don't know, you know, how does it happen, but, you know, it's just on the, on the ship. So anyone coming out from the ship uh, on yesterday is actually carrying the same risk as you are on the first day of the outbreak because, it, you know, we don't have any solid evidence saying that those catch a disease will be already having a disease for 14 days. So there may be some you know, new infection, new cause infection within the ship. So anyone will have the equal chances or the equal risk of having a disease but not yet being discovered. So they need to be checked. And I would request if they are not being done by the CHP that each and any one of those uh, passengers should be tested a negative before they were allowed to get off the quarantine camp because this will help to prevent their family or close members of close contact of the community to get the disease. Now, the biggest outbreak at whatever outside China is this Princess uh, Diamond. You know, we need to be very careful on treating this, um, you know, group of passengers. Now they are actually under the very tight surveillance. They have police. <laughs> the only camp they have police nowadays is, is, the, is this Bortang uh, housing estate. Other places, you know, in the, uh, like Chikok or uh, other, uh, you know, the holiday camp, uh, they don't have any uh, police on, on, on guard, but they have, they are having these police on guard uh, in the Fortan estate. So I think on the security, it will be quite uh, adequate, put it this way. I don't okay. think anyone from the camp 
from the housing essay or so-called quarantine camp will be able to leave back, you know, without permission. Okay. I, I, now, I know you were you were talking yesterday to the, the Secretary for Health and Secretary for Security uh, in LegCo, and you were critical of, of many of the government's uh, measures and the approach that's been taken during the, the course of this outbreak. What, what, what do you think is the most... From your point of view, what do you consider the most important failure of the administration in this whole event? I think it's first and foremost is they refuse to close the border to the Chinese uh, passengers or, or the tourists coming from China uh, at the earliest stage. And, and one of the very worrying news that I got yesterday is that uh, already in Samzhan, they, they are trying to, we, you know, we start giving out entry permit to Hong Kong for the four big groups of uh, Chinese citizens if they're going to, you know, to, to visit their relative, to study or whatever. Because Samzhen is actually the top five cities being infected outside Hubei. But, but, but so, you, could, you could look at the numbers here and say, actually, they're remarkably low here in, in Hong yes, Kong. We've got yes, fewer than know. Singapore and, and so on. We've actually done pretty well in isolating. Yeah. yeah, Singapore has double what we've got. So, you know, that's the thing... You know, we, 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 we are different from Singapore is that we suffer most, actually, from uh, the SARS uh, saga. So we, we, we need to be smart and we need to be more careful, at least, you know, to make sure that our city is safe. Now, at the end of the day, you see what has been done by this government is actually, uh, according to their word, is just like, you know, more or less like closing the border. So why does it, why does them doing earlier? They, can, they could do it much earlier, but they still, you know, they're dragging on without making any decision. And until the day we have, you know, very solid evidence of growing numbers of the, of the infection. But they should have do it early. So why did they drag their feet? You, you look at the Macau. Macau do it quite, you know. Well, Macau has, has Macau. Yeah, but they've opened up again now, haven't they? Really quite quickly. Because they don't have the cases in 15 days. You know, they don't have any new cases in 15 days. Of course, I'm not endorsing Macau. If I were Macau government, I wouldn't allow to reopen the casino. But we're talking about Hong Kong. Um, so I would be, you know, I would be more um, um, radical as to making sure that our city is safe. And that is very important. The second point is that now we are being closed or barred from entering more and more countries. Country. Like, you know, yesterday, Russia... And and um, another country is actually uh, banning Hong Kong tourists to their places, and that hurts Hong Kong very much because you know Hong Kong is a is a financial hub. So we need to make sure that we are having you know a free or put it this way is is you know a, a a right to travel or doing business as a city. Right. Okay. Uh, in, in Hong Kong, but we are we are not having that because you know simply we are unable to demonstrate to the rest of the world that we are doing uh, much better or in or at least much better than those you know in China. So that is why we are suffering. Okay, uh, okay. As a result of that. All right. Here's an email from uh, Andrew F, which is addressed to you, Doctor Kwok. Uh, uh, Andrew F says. Um, uh, good to have Dr. Kwokkarki on the program again, taking time out of his busy day, stirring up more public hatred against the police. 
Maybe he'll be able to provide solid proof this morning for his serious uh, relegations, I think he means accusations earlier this week, that police were disproportionately receiving protective equipment at the direct expense of other frontline staff, including medics. The police are, of course, tasked with things like enforcing quarantine and guarding centres, etc. Presumably Dr Cock will be OK with them having at least some masks, like everyone else. Politicising medicine is one of the most depressing aspects of the current situation in Hong Kong. Does Dr Kwok feel it's right that police officers or their family members and children would not be welcome seeking his services given his attacks on them? Is that what a doctor is supposed to be? Uh, from Andrew F. Dr Kwok, do you want to respond? Now, uh, I'll give you some background. We have been uh, requesting the information from the government. The, um, you know, we had a, a, a quite a lot of uh, items which is uh, supposed to be used uh, as a protective uh, gear for the quarantine, like masks, like the, um, you know, N95 masks, which is, you know, very famous for protection. And we have, you know, gloves, we have some protective clothing, the guns, uh, whatever. But until today, although we, write, we wrote to the government officials requesting them to release the figures, no figures has been released so far. Okay, number one. Number two, there was reports. I was called, I was asked by a local media to comment on the fig, on the figures that they they get. You know, as a legislator, you know we we always do fact check. But when the government refuses to give you any figures, we can just rely on the figures. You know, as a situation. So I was commenting on the situation. And still on yesterday, we were requesting the government to give us figures. They didn't give any figures. Second point I want to raise the fact. Now, we, we all witnessed the situation in uh, one of the housing essays in Chengyi. The doctors, nurses, the uh, inspect from the Department of Health, they're going to, to handle the, uh, the, the, the um, you know, the Gaifong, or the residents of the housing essay asking them to go to quarantine camp. They're wearing just surgical masks and quite, you know, uh, normal protective gun, which is the usual gear. It's a usual gear yeah, for yeah. All, all the personnel. But we, on the other hand, we saw the police standing, you know, 100 meters away. They're wearing N95. And all the very, you know, we that, uh, the, we, the white track is, is a protective clothing which is suitable for Ebola virus. So this is so ridiculous. We in the hospital, already in the crisis of lacking this protective gear, we had only one month stock. And, the, and uh, according to the, the estimation of the University of Hong Kong, uh, the whole um, outbreak will last until maybe end of May. So we had, you know, ahead of us, three, at least three more, more months that we need to fight against this uh, battle. Okay. But we are already lacking. So this is quite ridiculous. To ask the government to give us evidence. And if they are lacking the evidence, please give the gear to those who need it. I think that is very reasonable. Okay, Dr. Kwok, thanks. Um, okay, uh, also just a little bit of good, good news. Uh, uh, an invention uh, development from the uh, Polytechnic University that uh, can develop, uh, can uh, detect pathogens, uh, including the new coronavirus, with a single test very quickly. Uh, tell us more briefly. We have a Professor Terence Lau, Director of Innovation and Technology Development at the PolyU, on the line. Professor Lau, good morning. 
morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us today. So what, can I ask, were you working on this anyway and, this, and the virus kind of happened or, or did you start really sort of putting your foot down and developing this uh, after the outbreak? effective in picking up this new, well, we're told new bug. Yeah, we we'll, we'll collaborated with Professor K.Y. You know, Hong Kong University, and actually he helped us on uh, doing that, so, and also share some samples just for our evaluation. So we do, we've done some sort of, you know, early stage research. Work. So will this be passed around to doctors, or how will it be become accessible? Well, um, we have some machine on hand uh, still at a very early stage. Uh, we need to roll out a large-scale production zone in the uh, upcoming future. But I think it could be very useful in the near future because um, the epidemic will not uh, end. Uh, we'll, we, hope, we all hope the epidemic will end very soon. But uh, even so, there may still have some individual, you know, residual cases around. And we have to be aware of and stay vigilant. So um, we, we may have this machine placed in... Uh, uh, doctor's office, you know, frontline dino, uh, diagnostics sports, uh, not just in hospitals, but also in airport, border, whatever places that required, so that we can screen out, you know, the, any uh, virus to uh, stop spreading again. So uh, it could be very useful. Even the, 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 the epidemic goes away, but we need to stay alert. Mm. I mean, do you have supply? Mm. How is it going to be distributed in a, in a hasty fashion? Um... We are uh, setting up our production. So, of course, you know, it depends on the, the, the funding and also, um, the, you know, uh, the supply chain, whether they can resume working very soon. So, okay. so we're talking to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, fingers crossed for that six to nine months. Okay, Professor Lau, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Best of luck with uh, with uh, that development. We've got a break now for the news at nine. We're going to have uh, two uh, doctors, infectious disease specialists, uh, joining us after the news. Uh, if you've got any questions, put them to him then. Seventeen degrees now. Humidity is at sixty-seven percent. Airbus may now find itself at a disadvantage. In a parallel case, the WTO found that the European jet maker also received illegal subsidies, and the US moved quickly to impose tariffs on $25 billion worth of European imports, including Airbus. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Bank Chats on a Thursday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Chiverton, continuing to talk about aspects of quarantine. Uh, the news there that uh, those uh, Hong Kongers have now returned. Uh, the plane has landed uh, from the uh, Diamond Princess ship in uh, Yokohama, the plane flying from uh, Tokyo. Uh, more than 100 on board. They're going to be facing quarantine uh, in Fotan here for some uh, 14 days uh, at least. Lots of questions about uh, what happened to them in uh, Japan and their 
future uh, here as well as uh, as well as uh, many other kind of uh, medical questions that are uh, going around. We hope uh, uh, to do with the controlling the spread of the disease. I hope we can address some of those now. We have with us uh, Eric Ding, who we uh, spoke to, I think, last week, an epidemiologist, health economist and nutrition scientist at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health, joining us on the line from America, and Dr. Gabriel Choi, who's a former president of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, as ever, our email address back, chat at rthk.hk, or why not give us a call, 233-88266, and you can put your questions directly to the experts. Um, we were talking just before nine about the Polytechnic University and uh, a new testing uh, machine. Uh, Tom on Facebook says, great to hear of that. There was a new study from Germany showing asymptomatic uh, people may be carrying and shedding the virus. So testing may be the key to slowing down the spread of the virus. I'm not sure why Western media is so solely focused on the stories of cover-ups. I clearly recall China raising the alarm about the new virus when there were only 40 people in the hospital. Seems we have a worldwide epidemic of shoot the messenger and blame the victim virus. That's from Tom. Uh, Zach says, oh my God, is the author of the novel The Eyes of Darkness a clairvoyant? Wuhan virus in 1981 in the novel is such a coincidence of COVID-19 in 2020. Frankly, I am not being optimistic that the spread of the virus will come to a stop before the summer. And TC uh, says... Uh, how the Chinese and Hong Kong governments respond to the Wuhan coronavirus is a good rebuttal on how some, including some who frequently write to Backchat, argue for China's authoritarianism in that it's efficient. How efficient has either government been in responding to the Wuhan coronavirus? Authorities in China knew about a mystery illness since late December, but it wasn't until the 23rd of January when the Chinese government locked down Wuhan. Their response has been slower than most democratic countries. On another note, the HKSAR government's treatment of its citizens stranded on the Diamond Princess and Wuhan is a good example of how one country, two systems, is letting Hong Kong citizens down. It's actually much simpler when the SAR government is dealing with a foreign country. Evacuating permanent residents from Wuhan, a Hong Kong permanent residents from Wuhan, like those of foreign countries, is politically radioactive for the government because it has an undertone of Hong Kong independence. That's uh, TC's uh, take on it. Uh, and um, Norman, in an email, says, I see that Hong Kong's finest protesters, two young students, were accused of carrying offensive weapons, including catapult and iron shots, as well as nail polish remover lighters near a novel coronavirus screening site at a community health centre in Chin Shu Wai uh, on Wednesday, though they were detained on Monday. Uh, looks like they were suspected of preparing to vandalise the clinic and endanger other Hong Kong people who live near the clinic. Salute to the Hong Kong police for safeguarding health clinics. Hong Kong people returning from, Hong, from Diamond Princess and residents who live near the clinics. That is from uh, Norman. Thank you very much indeed for that once again. Uh, your thoughts, backchat at rthk.hk. Oh, a couple of questions are, uh, on relating to uh, disinfecting uh, areas. Uh, John says, is every plane in circulation being disinfected for at least 48 hours? Normally they arrive and depart within a few hours continuously. That comes from John. Uh, I can tell you, no, they are not being disinfected for at least 48 hours. Uh, and Mike says, uh, quote, uh, between each ER, the room is sterilised, unquote, is what we were told by your guest doctor. I think that's Dr Kwok in the first part of the programme. Having worked in hospitals in Hong Kong for years, that doesn't give me much confidence. 
Hired cleaning ladies sterilized, question mark. Sanitize at best, using the same gloves, same bucket of soap, same mop from room to room. To sterilize, one would need to change everything from room to room and change gloves and clothes. That does not happen. Seven exclamation marks. What is done is cursory at best. That comes uh, from Mike. Uh, Professor Ding, good morning to you, Dr Ding. Good morning. Thank you for, for joining us once again. Um, what's your view, first of all, I mean, I mean, what happened with the Diamond Princess? It seemed that it was just a breeding ground for disease, a Petri dish, as, as uh, my colleague said. Uh, what did they do wrong? What happened there? Yeah, so I think there's many limitations because it was, it was 1,000 employees and 2,700 guest passengers and the employees were living elbow to elbow, serving the same food. And um, the passengers, many of them, don't have um, you know window cabins, so they're relying on the same ventilation, same bathrooms. And the, according to the latest reports, they uh, had almost no uh, isolation and quarantine. The medical staff didn't even use protection. So I think it wasn't even any good isolation is just put all the sick people and healthy people together on this petri dish dr ding did you did you see um the most uh, alarming um story um dr kentaro iwato who is from kobe in yeah. japan and he was the infectious disease expert first of all the japanese authorities wouldn't allow him on the boat because they told him you're not liked and then he managed to get on the boat by saying he was part of the disaster team who are inappropriately on board. Those are the guys that normally help out in earthquakes. So they don't know about infectious diseases. And he said they yeah. hadn't even categorized the boat into red zone and green zone for no. sterilized areas and non-sterilized areas. And the people preparing food were walking around without gloves on, eating their food openly. It, it seemed to be a complete yeah. breakdown of even common sense. How could yeah, this happen? Uh, I just think because the cruise ship industry just was ill-prepared. I don't think they have adequate protocols for epidemics such as this. Um, previously, you know, the only epidemics were noroviruses, which is much more of a, you know, food-based contaminant rather than, uh, you know, aerosol um, and something as uh, confectious as this. They just were absolutely not prepared. Even the Japanese quarantine officer and another medical staff got infected, um, as well as a firefighter who was transporting these Yokohama cruise ship uh, passengers. It's just, and those people were fully, fully suited and fully masked. So what does that it's tell just, you that, that about just, the transmission? How is it jumping from person to person? If, that got, if those people happened. were tooled up and covered up, how did it yeah. get, to the, get to them? Yeah, and that's, that's, um, that's the wonder. Well, there's many reasons, potentially, when you're taking off masks and suits that could have explained it, but I think, you know, where they went goggles. Uh, these were these are a lot of questions that uh, remain unanswered because there's been reports that you could get infected through the eye as well and mm. droplets, those sneezes in the air. And again, I think these passengers on the on a boat sharing the same ventilation system. I don't think the ship has the, uh, air filters that can filter out these 0.1 micron virus particles. Mm. So in, in a way, it was uh, a circulating petri dish. Mm. 
Okay, we another an email from uh, Derek. Thanks, Derek, who says, Dear Bank Chant, being on a cruise ship seems like a terrible place to be during a disease outbreak. The Diamond Princess is the largest cluster of people infected with COVID-19 outside China. This morning I read that a passenger who disembarked the MS Westerdam in Cambodia and took a plane to Malaysia has tested positive for the disease. And that's after hundreds have left the ship without being tested. That sounds uh, very bad. That comes uh, for, yeah. from Derek. You, you agree, Dr. Ding? Yeah, if, if, in, many ways, in many ways, we thought that Diamond Princess is the worst case. Diamond Princess, in certain ways, is terrible in the number of cases, but in certain ways, it's contained. We know every single person. We have tested them and isolated them now. And, but on the Western Am, they let off over 1,000 passengers who have already flown home and then discovered one of them tested positive, uh, a U.S. citizen in Malaysia. But now they've already gone left without any quarantine, without any isolation protocol. So in certain ways, the Westerdam has become the more uncontrolled um, slip-up in terms of this outbreak containment, because these people have not been contained um, whatsoever. While at least on the Diamond Princess, we've isolated them from further contamination. Okay, well, also with us, I say, is uh, Dr. Choi, Dr. Gabriel Choi. Dr. Choi, good morning to you. Uh, are, are you uh, happy, are you satisfied that uh, in Hong Kong we've got it right, um, that these people will be returning to a proper quarantine in Hong Kong, and that we do, we know how to do it uh, when we do it in Hong Kong? I think except for not closing the border, the medical staff has been doing a great job. And uh, despite what is said just now about uh, improper cleansing of the hospital wards and so on, I think uh, we are, uh, the medical personnel are doing their very best, and so far there's not been <clears throat> contamination uh, spreading the illness uh, due to contaminated um, wards and contaminated beds and so on in the ho in the public hospital. So, so uh, you're confident if the if the Hong citizens are <clears throat> being brought back from the plated ship, uh, it is a good thing for these uh, people uh, that they are not no longer exposed to a uh, infected ship, but they need to be quarantined uh, for the 14 days at least. And I think uh, we will surely pick up more cases within this uh, 100 plus group uh, that were uh, flown back uh, this morning. Oh, so you think it's likely that they will emerge, but they've all tested positive. I thought so. They're all tested negative at the moment. But you think yes. <clears throat> there, there has been cases that were tested negative and later turned positive. So we, we should be expecting some of these cases uh, uh, coming back from, from Japan. So when they go through immigration, would they have to put their thumb on the permanent residence thingy to go through, or how are they handling CIQ and all that kind of thing for these people? I, I think uh, the custom office and immigration and so on uh, will have methods to deal with. I think uh, we are close to certain that the spread of the virus is, is due to uh, fomite particles and uh, uh, people rubbing the virus onto their face and uh, eyes and so on. So Sorry, Doctor, what particles did you say? FOMIT. What does that mean? That means uh, particles from throat, from nose, from saliva, and so on. Yeah. So not in the air, actually, from droplets. Not, not direct. Yeah, more from from the 
uh, droplets on surfaces uh, <coughs> from from uh, walls and tables and uh, beds and so on. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, we, uh, a few emails we, we, we'll get to in a moment. But um, can I can I just hear first of all from from both doctors perhaps um, the, uh, an issue which has come up again and again in our discussions and in this program is should you wear a mask? When should you wear a mask? If you're if you if you're an ordinary member of the public and you're not a medical professional, uh, Doctor Choi, first, nearly everyone in Hong Kong, as you know, wears a mask nearly all the time. Uh, is that necessary? Is that Advisable. What's I think the Hong Kong Medical Association will have a press conference this afternoon to confirm that wearing masks is uh, important. It is actually the only mean the Hong Kong citizens has to fight against the virus and to show that they are concerned about the virus. It may not be the best way of uh, preventing uh, spread of the disease. Uh, the better way may be uh, more frequent uh, alcohol scrubbing of the hands and so on. But uh, wearing the mask signifies that we are still very conscious about uh, the disease occurring around us. So uh, I am I, I, an advocate of uh, wearing the mask at all times. In fact, my nursing staff last night uh, was uh, uh, reprimanding me for taking care of a uh, patient with uh, a asthmatic attack and uh, not having adequate precaution themselves. So uh, I think the, the mask... It's just the symbol and the, the, the only thing between us and the virus that uh, in Hong Kong. We don't have uh, the protective gear uh, for everybody, so uh, I think uh, we should be still wearing masks. Dr. Ding, what, what's your take? Yeah, I think, first of all, there's two kinds of masks. Surgical masks are much more poor. Let, let's talk about, yes, talk about the surgical masks. They're the ones that are right. generally the, available. The surgical masks is what most people wear, and it's, it's still porous, but what they're good for it's actually catching droplets as someone sneezes or coughs so it's actually uh, better for protecting uh, you from spreading to others and, and, and catching the big droplets because it's the big droplets that actually has a lot of viral particles um, and the, the other leading finding lately we've been finding is that people are spreading it even when it's asymptomatic there's been two studies one in New England Journal another in infectious disease journal last two days that proves asymptomatic people can give off um, the same viral load as uh, as a uh, symptomatic infectious person. So and people, with, if they don't know they're infectious, the most safest way is to wear a mask and then prevent their coughs and sneezes from spreading. I think that is the number one effects of a mask, and that's why everyone should wear it as a precaution. Okay, thank you. Um, this is an email from uh, Andrew F, who says, can you please ask the infectious disease expert why, if this virus is really in danger of becoming a pandemic, a place like Hong Kong, which borders the mainland and until recently had significant numbers of mainland tourists visiting, including from Hubei, has only 60 cases over three months now out of a population of more than 7 million. Shouldn't we be looking at uh, at least many thousands infected by now and triple digits dead? Yeah. I think that's. I think it's a very good question, and some of our estimates are, in China, there's at least 10 to 20 x underdiagnosis, and outside of mainland China, there's probably at least 4 x underdiagnosis. It's just this virus. Um, a lot of it are mild, and many people who have it are infected have no symptoms. Actually, China is actually cheating their, their case count by uh, deleting those who have tested positive but don't have symptoms. 
and which is a lot of people who are asymptomatic infected. And that's why it's so important, again, to wear the masks. And it's, um, and it's very difficult to detect them unless you test for them. And you wouldn't know to test for them unless they have symptoms. But, but the main point of the mask would be to stop you spreading it to other people. Yes, yes, because that's, it catches mm. the biggest droplets. It doesn't stop at all, but it catches the biggest droplets in every sneeze and cough. Mm. Mm. Um, but, but again, w- w- what are, you, are you suggesting that in Hong Kong we're also underestimating the number of people who actually yeah, have the Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because the testing, first of all, the test, according to Chinese medical experts, is only 30 to 50% accurate. And, and, uh, and other times, many people are not shedding high enough virus loads until very late in the disease course. Even some people with CT-positive pneumonia test negative oftentimes. So this test is a very uh, imperfect test, and so and picking up uh, asymptomatic cases is even more difficult. So we are definitely, there are definitely people who have it who have not tested positive, but so that's why you should need to take every single precaution. Don't touch elevator buttons with your fingertips. Don't shake hands. Fist bump instead. Um, wash your hands, of course, cover your sneezes. Those kind of general precautions. Dr. Ding, if we look back to the 1918 epidemic of flu, which killed 50 million people, that's a lot. What can we learn about the way these things spread? I mean, these guys didn't have masks or anything. What can we learn looking back at the reality of how they actually pan out, spread out, and then stop? Right, right. Well, that was over 100 years ago. Our medical technology and public health measures have improved dramatically. Um, sometimes there are super spreading events, and they still happen on occasion. Um, but I think these kind of things, in certain ways, our health, public health system has gotten better. But at the same time, global travel has also improved in 100 years, and um, spreading events have increased. So it, it, it's like a balance. Mm. Our medical system has improved, but population density and global international connectedness has also increased. So it's hard to say. This is definitely, it's a matter of, when, not a matter of if, when the pandemic comes. Like, for example, today they're in Iran. There was two cases, two deaths, whenever we had zero the day before. So in many countries, there's definitely a lot of underdiagnosis. So are you saying we are looking at a pandemic here? In the near future. Pandemic is defined by large-scale number of deaths in multiple, many countries. We have not reached that yet. Uh, Most countries, we've only had only a handful, less Mm -hmm. than worldwide. So we have not hit that stage, but it is a matter of when, not if. And so we have, must take every precaution against but, this virus. But if you look at deaths, for example, in, in, in China and Hubei uh, in particular, um, they are leveling off, aren't they? I mean, the numbers are not increasing. The numbers are steady or going down. Yeah, the so. numbers are leveling off, but that's just the reported. China, remember last week we had a, a spike of 14,000 cases from CT-diagnosed pneumonia? Well, China just issued a rule. They're no longer reporting those as of the last few days. So all those CT-diagnosed pneumonia are no longer being counted once again, which we know makes a huge difference, as you saw last week. What is CT-diagnosed pneumonia, Dr. Uh, Dean? It's basically chest uh, CAT scan uh, imaging of your lungs uh, if you have pneumonia. Previously, uh, during the backlog, they, they counted those who have viral pneumonia from the CT scan of your chest as a positive test. And that caused a 14,000 case jump in Hubei last okay. week. But as of yesterday, they've 
deleted that and they're no longer counting them. And China is also not counting people who test positive for the virus but don't have symptoms. They're also uh, not reporting those, So, which is a huge number of people. This is why the numbers from China are not the full representation of the case counts, especially when they have laboratory capacity, which they've already maxed out. Okay, so can, yeah. all the experts are saying it at least 10x, if not 20x, underreporting still currently going on. Yikes, that's a lot, isn't it? Okay, a uh, um, couple of comments. Uh, fr- this is from Drake, who says, rephrasing Andrew's comment, we still have 60-odd cases even when everyone is on high alert. That's nothing to be proud of. That's uh, Drake's take. And uh, Andrew uh, F. says, and this is addressed to you, I think, Dr. Choi, uh, Andrew F. says, wearing a mask to signify we are concerned while we don't have enough for frontline medical staff, surely we don't have the luxury of symbols when frontline medics are struggling with supply. That's Andrew F. Dr. Choi, uh, the point, you know, there aren't enough masks to go around. Uh, maybe we should be using, saving them for people who really need them, like people like yourself, frontline medical staff. I think uh, the, the frontline uh, doctor's supply is the responsibility of the SAR government. I think the uh, public has tried its very best to source the mask from elsewhere. When government, say, when government said that uh, it can do nothing, uh, the people are trying their very best to uh, safeguard their own health uh, instead of uh, doing nothing and just uh, waiting for the virus to strike. Uh, I think right now the government uh, sh- should be ashamed that uh, it cannot source enough uh, uh, preventive gears for its uh, frontline doctors and push them to the very front to, f- to fight the virus. This uh, happened in SARS as well. Have they not learned their lesson? I, I, you, you must ask the currency, but uh, right now I think uh, the SAR government has been doing a very bad job. As for the China figures, my my uh, my trend is to multiply multiply the official figures by ten times, and that will give you a more uh, probable picture of what is happening in Wuhan and other China provinces. Mm. Doctor Ding, do you, do you think that uh, the Chinese authorities have done a good job? Or you, you, I, I think, I think when we spoke stock. before, actually, I think what you said was that the, they had done a bad job initially, but now they were doing a good job. Is that still your view? Yeah, I, I think initially they could have definitely reported a disaster, and when, especially when they knew from Dr. Lee Wen Liang's uh, reports, who unfortunately died. I think right now they pulled out all the stops, and you know, they're very strict about uh, discharging anyone. They have to have two negative tests in three days, no fever, and many other, and clear chest x-ray. But um, whether they are sufficiently reporting and testing everyone, the key with, if you can't quarantine sufficiently, especially since there's asymptomatic spreaders, you have to test as much as possible, test again and again and again, and everyone, and quarantine everyone, even if they test positive with no symptoms. They're just not doing that sufficiently. So it's a matter of capacity, but they're trying. And I, I don't think any other country in the world could probably do as better. But but is that enough? And that's the that's the question. Mm. Okay. Um, another question. What what about the fourteen days? Is fourteen days, which is going to be the standard quarantine, is that yeah. enough? 
Yeah, the 14 days has been tricky. There was one report. It was a um, preprint. It was an unpeer-reviewed uh, scientific study that said one person had up to 24 days incubation, which means they were asymptomatic for 24 days and then became symptomatic. On average, incubation is five to seven days, but that's just the mean. It means half the people are less, half the people are longer. Well, the point of a 14-day quarantine is you need to quarantine long enough so that even in the extreme tails, you've nipped it in the butt, that by the time you release someone on the 15th day, you're sure they really don't have it. It's not that they will develop it two days later. Um, and so the question is, we're not sure now if 14 days is enough because it seems in the extreme tails, there are some who have extremely long incubation. And this is one of those questions public health experts have to solve as soon as we can, is if the 14 days is enough to get everyone, even in the tail extremes. Okay, one more email. This is from Bowen, who says, it's been pointed out that sometimes that Hong Kong has done better than Singapore, and so the government's failure to adopt stringent measures regarding the inflow of people from the mainland is okay. One suspects that our lower numbers can be attributed to the fact that everybody here has been extra vigilant. Probably at least 80% of the people you see on the street are wearing masks, and the restaurants, including fast food restaurants, are 80% vacant, which is due to the fact that almost 300 people here died in 2003. Singapore didn't suffer as we did in the last round and therefore people there have not been as cautious as they should have been. I've heard the Singaporean government has for instance adopted the approach that people don't need to wear masks unless they're not feeling well Mike Rouse's approach which doesn't work if there are people around who don't feel bound by the honour system and fail to wear masks when they should have realised they might have been infected. But that doesn't exonerate the government from not having adopted stringent measures at the border earlier. We could have been a lot less lucky. That comes uh, f from Bowen. Uh, uh, Dr. Jing, do, do, do you agree? Do you think that uh, the relatively low uh, infection rate in Hong Kong uh, could have something to do with the measures that we've taken, like people wearing masks, like people cleaning yeah. their hands and so on? I think Hong Kong dresses? has definitely been much more vigilant, and Hong Kong has better sanitation um, than in mainland China. Um, and, you know, I think the public, the, the doctors and nurses from everything that I've read have been enormously uh, courageous and heroic in, in the treatment. Um, the question, you know, we still don't know. Like, we think there's definitely a 10x underdiagnosis in mainland China, but is that perfect in Hong Kong? Maybe we, there's still a 2 to 4x underdiagnosis, and that is the mystery we need to do enough testing. Like in the United States, we have a passive system that every, we have a passive testing for all flu samples. And if they test ne negative for flu, we test them all for coronavirus. And does that passive test, uh, testing system exist in Hong Kong? I'm not sure. Um, and that's what you really need, a passive surveillance, not just you know, surveillance of those who come to the do a doctor mm. or hospital with a cough or a fever. Okay, one more, one more question. This is from Simon B, who says, is it possible that the nature of this virus could somehow be restricting it to thriving in a particular location or area, or somehow it doesn't travel well? It just doesn't make sense. There are so many cases in China and relatively so few outside of China. That comes from Simon B. Any thoughts on that, Dr. Ding? Could it be, you know, something in it uh, makes it stay where it is? Or not, Doctor Ding. Um, sorry, I, I, I cut out. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, we had a, a question saying, uh, could it be? Is it possible that the nature of this virus could somehow be restricting it to thriving in a particular location or area, or it doesn't um, travel well because there's so many cases in China? I don't think so. 
Mm. Like, for example, Singapore is very warm, and, you know, South Korea is very cold right now, and, um, and it's thriving even in the U.K., as well as infecting people in France, as well as Spain. Um, and, and there's an outbreak in Thailand as well. So I don't think it's ge- geographically located, and there's, it seems, you know, ethnicity if, uh, seems to infect non-Asians just as well. Um, there is some evidence that uh, men potentially can uh, have a higher mortality than women, but again, this is still some early evidence of like a small 50% difference, but, um, but I don't think geographically it's being restricted. Okay. Well, Dr. Ding, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us uh, on the line there. Dr. Ding at the Harvard Chan School of uh, Public Health. Thanks to Dr. Gabriel Choi, a former president of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, Anna, many thanks to you. And Angie, many thanks to you. The weather forecast, sunny periods, cool this morning and maximum temperature today up to 20 degrees. Uh, the outlook mainly fine in the next couple of days. Temperatures will rise gradually, but it's still going to be cool in the morning. 17 degrees at the moment, relative humidity is at 65%. On the internet, anyone can publish anything. Even if it seems true, doesn't mean it is true. Even if someone is popular, doesn't mean you should believe what they say. So, take a look from different angles. Check the facts before jumping to conclusions. Try not to let emotions sway your judgment. When fake news goes viral, it can have severe repercussions. So, check the facts to keep fake news in check. 33, the news now with Samantha Butler. The Secretary for Security, John Lee, says 106 Hong Kong passengers from the Diamond Princess cruise ship have been brought back on the first chartered flight arranged by the government. The ship has been quarantined in Yokohama for two weeks amid a coronavirus outbreak. Mr Lee says the evacuees have tested negative but will be taken to a Fortan public housing estate for a further 14-day quarantine period. The mainland coronavirus death toll has jumped to over 2,100 with 108 more deaths in Hubei province. Most of the deaths were in the provincial capital Wuhan. And police in Germany say eight people have been shot dead in the town of Hanau to the east of Frankfurt. Police are still hunting for the gunman who fled in a car and are believed to be at large. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer. Great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is really for adults, not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decide of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In-depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Welcome to Thursday. It's The Morning Brew. I'm Phil Whelan. Hello. Good to be back with you. Well, video hasn't quite killed the radio star, but our man Steve Vines is giving it a jolly good go. So join him on Facebook Live from his Saikung lair at 10 minutes past 10 for this week's chat. And there if you can, is where you can put up all your comments straight away. After 11.30, we're paying another house call to our vet, Dr David Gething. Now, on his list today is an announcement by the government that pets do not pose any danger from coronavirus. So it does seem that people still think they do. That and other stuff, plus your questions, 11.40.